Welcome to Inside Personal Growth Podcast. Deep dive with us as we unlock the secrets to personal development, empowering you to thrive. Here, growth isn't just a goal, it's a journey. Tune in, transform, and take your life to the next level by listening to just one of our podcasts. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And joining us from Basel, Switzerland, is Lisa Daniels. And her book is The Human Edge Advantage and Mastering the Art of Being All In. Good afternoon to you, Lisa. How are you today? I am great. Thank you, Greg. It's so it's such a pleasure to be here with you. Well, and I always say, you know, it is good having people on that are at the bleeding edge of something. And mm-hmm. I know that this movement around, I'm just going to call it what it is, more spirituality and business, bringing yourself to work, is something we're all interested in, even more so after the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. I think you've seen an awakening and a rising to that. But I'm going to let our listeners know something about you because you have an interesting background and one which fits perfect for this. Um, Lisa is a senior executive talent and leadership uh, consultant. She's an author, speaker, executive coach. Uh, Her focus is on developing mindful and purpose-driven leaders, unlocking their full human potential or leadership potential. Over the last two decades of broad business experience, Lisa brings deep insights and sharp clarity to complex leadership issues. She has coached C-level executives, high potentials, and leaders transitioning to new, bigger roles. Her thoughtful, probing approach, coupled with a strong business acumen, focuses individuals and teams. And whether setting strategic direction or building a winning team or achieving exceptional performance, Lisa understands the behaviors and actions required to get results. She holds a master's degree in organizational development, human resource management from New York University, as well as a bachelor's degree in interdisciplinary public policy and administration with a concentration in international relations from the University of New York at Buffalo. She's a certified coach through IPEC, an accredited international coaching federation. And she just showed me some pictures of her puppies. In her free time, she spends time with her life partner, friends, family, practicing yoga, cooking, skiing, hiking uh, with the two dogs, and traveling around the world. Well, the best part is the two puppies that she showed me this morning. So <laughs> uh, for our listeners, you won't be able to see those, uh, but she's got two Shibu Inus. And we were talking about the great snowfall in Basel that she had this last weekend. So I, I guarantee it's beautiful. Well, let's kick this off, Lisa, because right. for our listeners, um, this is something that is of extreme importance right now considering the workforce, considering that our workforce is, uh, we're having a tough time finding people, attracting people, keeping people, getting people engaged. And in um, our current ever-changing work environment with more demands uh, to be innovative, productive, engaged, it seems to more and more challenging because of the demands on the time and the abilities to process so much information. You actually start your book off that way. 
And I, I always look at it as we're the ones that are letting all this information in. It's a choice about what comes across our transit. Could you speak with us about why you wrote the book and what you hope the readers to take away from the message that's in the human advantage? Right. Thank you for such a warm welcome, Greg. And um, yeah, so the reason I wrote the book, there's a couple of key things. The first one is, is that leaders today are not the leaders that we had in the past, meaning the world is way more complex and leaders can't know everything anymore. And because of that, they're working with a very professional experts that have years and years of experience and they need to tap into them. And with this flatter organization and these people who are highly skilled, then you have to ask the question, what is the role of the leader then? If I'm not going to be the person who knows it all, then I play a different role. And this book addresses that, that, that issue of what is my role as a leader now? And how do I need to behave differently? And, and I, it builds off a second point, which I want to uh, bring up, which is there's a huge rise right now in what we call humanistic leadership. The employees, employees are not easy to find. They have lots of options. I mean, if you don't want to work for a big organization, you can start your own business. You can do something with Amazon. There's so many online opportunities that how do we entice people to come work for our organizations? And with this rise of humanistic leadership, people want more compassion. They want more empathy. And if they don't find that in your organization, they'll go somewhere else. Um, and I think the third one is, if we really want our societies to flourish, we need to stop this polarization and realize that we're all one. Because Good it's point. the polarization that is keeping us stuck. And when you get polarized and my idea is right, your idea is wrong, all possibilities fly out the window. There's no room for new ideas or new thoughts or new, new solutions. Well, and so I think coming the together at the table and whether you have an opposing view or not, at least being to see the view of somebody else absolutely, um, and collaborate in whatever it is that you're jointly trying to accomplish together or the alignment inside the company. And that kind of brings me to the next question. You know, your uh, subtitle here says mastering the art of being mm. all in. Um, what do you mean by being all in? Yeah. Because that's that's a really big thing in the book. Yeah. Uh, and I, th I think it's best to just get it out, like right get now. Get it out on the table. Let me, let me just go back to one point before I, I answer that question, which is you said, okay. what do you want people to take away? And what I want people to take away is if you really want to be really, if you want ourselves and other people to be fully engaged, we must start with ourselves. This is a journey about self-awareness, self-discovery, and every relationship we have in our life is a mirror of the relationship we have with ourselves. So every time there's a little bit of a kink in a relationship, you need to hold up that mirror to say what's going on with yourself. The other thing that I think is really key about the takeaway is that there is a new paradigm for leadership. The old way of leadership of power over is gone. That, that, that hierarchy of leadership cannot, cannot work in the world in which we're living in. So we need to focus on sharing power and stepping into our own power which and encouraging other people to do the same. So your second question, which is around what does all, e all in be mean? So it means three things. One is it's about that connection to self again, what we call personal power, how to explore that integration of every aspect of yourself 
to achieve self-mastery. Because if you can't achieve self-mastery, how are you going to master the external world? It just doesn't work. The second one is how do you connect authentically to other people and how do you share power? How do you establish that meaningful connection uh, with others that engages and it creates a sense of belonging? The sense of belonging is gone up in every, in the, if you look at the research, people want a greater sense of belonging. There is a, what we call a loneliness epidemic that's going around the world right now. And people mm-hmm. feel disconnected and they want to feel part of something that has meaning and value. And the no, last one, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. And I'll, I'll, I'll add the last something. piece. You know, we talked prior to this, we had a pre-interview mm-hmm. and I remember you talking about your yoga practice and I yes. get that, you know, we're going to get to this question, but yeah. mind, body, spirit is really so important for people to have an awakening yes. and an awareness of not only what they're doing to themselves, but what they're doing to others. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and and so when you have that, which is what this book is really about, is, you know, Mm -hmm. hey, can you awaken to being somebody different? Can you work in a corporation which is going, you would like to see become different? And when I mean different, I mean transformed in a way where people are aligned, where they're sharing the same values, where they're working toward the same things. And people, most importantly, are happy at what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And, and that ties to the last piece about be, being all in is about co-creating possibilities together. So it's mm-hmm. not just I have a piece of the puzzle and you have the piece of the puzzle because that's not enough. But it's about how do we come together with the different perspectives and and have something come out of solving a problem together that neither one of us expected. And that's this whole space about how do we hold this space for everybody to contribute? And how do we generate and capture insights so that organizations could achieve things that they they just never dream possible? And that's really that, what it means. You so know, it's this connection to self, connection with others, and this co-creating possibilities. And that's really the foundation of this all in. And I love the co-creating possibilities because the only thing that's holding you from co-creating possibilities is the gap between your current reality and that potential uh, that you're speaking about here, the possibilities, whatever those possibilities are. Um, Now, you've organized the book into four parts. Mm -hmm. And the first one's about integrating one's head, heart, and gut. Okay. Uh, That sounds directly like uh, some alternative doctors that when they say (laughs) about how your gut and your heart are connected, which they Mm -hmm. are. Speak with the listeners about these three parts of the body and our emotions. And I, and I want to really say this and how fears lead to the disconnections of these parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the, 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 you know, Phil Stutz talks about it, the great psychologist, you know, mm-hmm. the fear that you're carrying inside of yourself um, is the thing that's inhibiting f- you from becoming who you truly can become. Now, this mm-hmm. isn't just babble talk. This is really mm-hmm. true. And so I want you to address this for the listeners, the listeners yeah. because it is so important. Yeah, it, it is really. And, and I think as I've been working with it more, because I think work evolves as you play with it and as you discuss it and as you as you use it in your own practice, 
is the head, heart, and gut become important because the head is a wonderful tool. It really helps us, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but that it helps us bring our, our dreams to life. It gives structure. It gives um, you know, it gives ability to bring things that seem abstract into a into a place. So that's a great capacity to have. But when we bring in the heart, which is really the center of our beingness, this gives us the ability, it gives us a greater capacity to connect to us, our humanity. It gives us a greater capacity to, co co to connect to our soul. Because if you ask people to point to themselves, most people, most cultures will point to their heart. And the question is mm -hmm. why? Why don't they point, point to their head? Why not point to their toe? Because the heart is the beingness of who we are. And then the gut is, I like to call it our, our integration, our navigation tool. It is very, it's our, I see it's the highest form of intelligence because it allows us to connect into what I call the collective consciousness, the universal intelligence. And if we have these three abilities and we can use them simultaneously, in one moment, when we're solving problems, having discussions, we create so much more capacity in ourselves to achieve our goals, to help other people achieve their goals. And that's not an easy because what I see a lot with the leaders I coach is they shift between the head and the heart. And you can tell the difference because when someone is in their head, they're talking at you. They're not talking with you. When mm -hmm. the heart is open, the tone of voice softens. And when I'm coaching people, I'll say when they shift to their head because they don't want to deal with their emotions, they'll say, I said, where are you? And they're like, I'm in my head. I say, drop into your heart and boom, the whole conversation changes. So you talk about this fear and I think fear is a natural. If people tell you they don't have fear, then they really don't know themselves. But when we suppress our fears, we don't really want to, we pay a high disconnection tax. And I think that's where you are going to. And if we think about this dis disconnection tax, how many people do you know are doing a job that they don't like, but they're mm -hmm. doing it because they have a family to support? And you hear stories and stories about this, about people who are not courageous enough to live their best life because they're afraid of stepping out of society's belief of how they should show up, right? For example, writing this book was an act of courage for me because many years ago, I was speaking in front of a group and this lady came up to me who worked for the American Management Association. And she said, you are such a wonderful speaker. I think you would be great writing a book. Can you write a book? So she says, come up with an outline. I never did it before. So I sent her something and I did not know how to structure a book. It takes a lot of effort to, to come up with a book. And she sent me back a rejection letter that I had tears in my eyes. I was so terrified of putting myself out there again to write another book, to even try. And then I was very lucky to have a to have a, a friend of the family who really helped me go through the process of how to structure a book because he had published hundreds of books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, I think, look, intuition plays a really big part. You mentioned the word soul. And a lot of people have a hard time defining soul, but they have an easier time when you talk about intuition and gut feelings, right? Um, it's very important to listen to what you're being told emotionally, physically, yes. mentally, right? And you are getting these signs and symbols, feelings yes. and emotions yeah. most of the time, but much of the time you're turning them off, which brings me to this next one. Yeah. You could uh, address the deconstruction of the head's five functions and the time we're wasting in unproductive and distractive yeah. thoughts because absolutely you know, what I just said leads directly to that because yeah. your your thoughts create your reality and your absolutely. reality is what you live 
And while people maybe want to say, no, that's not true, or they don't want to believe it, yeah. that is the reality you've created until you can get, I, I say, if you can get mm. above it and look down on it and be an observer of self, just look right down on you. And I tell people, if a camera was following you all day long and you shot the video back and you watched it, would you like what you saw? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a very good question. So the let me let me start with something that I think probably will be jarring for most people is that we have about 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day, 95% of them repetitive, and a lot of them are negative. Um, so that puts us automatically behind the eight ball. Now, there's a reason for that in nature. The reason that happened is because when we had that old part of our brain and we were running from the tigers, that we needed that we needed to see danger, but we don't need that anymore. So now we have to really learn to master the mind, which is part of that, which is part of the personal power piece, right? Because if I want to have the dream life that I want, or I want to have the dream organization or grow my business, I need to master my mind. And the mind is broken into a couple of key functions. The first one is it's the architect, right? It can take these amazing ideas, break them down, bring them into blueprints so we can deliver on them. And that's a wonderful thing. And that's a very conscious, that's a conscious part of the mind. The second part of the mind is the thinker part of the mind, which helps us understand the world around us. I mean, think of how people now are trying to understand the world that is in such conflict right now. So we need different viewpoints to help us make sense of the world in which we live. That's also conscious. The second part is the repository, right? And this is such a beautiful thing, right? So we have a decide, we decide what we put in our mental mind right? What creates our mental framework? Do we read books that will shape our mind and shape our and open up our heart? Or do we sit and we watch Netflix and waste away our time, right? And I'm not saying Netflix is bad, but I'm just saying people are not reading enough. They're not bringing in enough information to change the way they think. Because the more we have in our repository, the more we make connections across disciplines and the more impactful and new ways will come out. The second two things, which are we call the unconscious mind or the program, and this is probably very much what you're talking about, what you were saying earlier, is that all of us get programmed from zero to seven. We pick up a lot from our parents. We pick up a lot from our environment and it's taught. And this is what we're operating and we don't even know we're operating it. And then the second one is the simulation, which is what you really talked about is we have these mental construct constructs that create our reality. So these are yes. subconscious. The more we can bring the unconscious to the, to the conscious, the more power we have in managing our mind and creating the life we want. But mental mastery is one that we really see as quite low now because we, we, we have assessments as well in our company because people are, they can't, they can't focus, right? Every four minutes, you're checking your email, you're getting a, a notification from your phone. We have a hard time keeping our mind clear. Meditation I, I, helps with this. You know, I uh, just recently had a, a doctor on here, Shamini John, and you might even know her, but um, she mm. was talking about the work she did in psychoneuroimmunology. Mm. And the interesting thing is the neuropathways along with the psychology with our immune system. And the reality is, is you really want to check into it, the dis-ease that we create is all interconnected in how you are living your life. We all know this, but the question is, what are we doing to modify it? And this is where this next question comes in. You mentioned that intuition is often dormant uh, mm. and ready to be awakened. 
and that we ignore our gut feeling. Yes, we do. Um, can you explain the importance of connecting with intuition and how this can help us make the decisions in our life that would be more meaningful and fulfilling? Because what I just said is the segue to this question. Absolutely. No, and, and let me start by something that happened to me as a very young child. Because as a young child, I was I came into this world very intuitive, right? And when I, I remember being in high school and um, I would say something and my friends would say, listen to her. And I never really understood it until later on that I was really connected into my intuition. So we all have this lovely inner compass that's sitting inside of us. And it comes into different parts of the body. And I'm not going to get into that. It's You'll find it in the book. But the one thing I will say is the intuition is connected to our soul blueprint. Each one of us has a soul blueprint, which is the best unfoldment of our life that can happen. And it knows the best pathway of our life that we can take, right? So when we tap into this inner compass, we have our lives get more, we have more accessibility. It becomes more rewarding. There's less struggle. And there's a magical thing that happens. We start to see coincidences. They show up everywhere around us. Yeah. We start to be able to, what you mentioned earlier, read the signs, they come in three, right? And then we begin, then the, these coincidences, not only do they emerge, but the universe conspires to help us achieve our goals. And this mm -hmm. all happens when we tap into our intuition. So if you find yourself where nothing is working out, nothing, like you just hit roadblock after roadblock, it's a time to connect with yourself, take a timeout, give yourself a timeout, go into nature, do what works for you to connect to yourself, and you will find you'll be able to repattern and, and find that space. Well, I think what you speak to is an energy field force, which we don't often think it exists, but because we don't see it, but it's there. Yes. Um, and it's almost like a, a vibratory attunement to what is and around us. Um, so when you are in connection with that, you realize that the world is not out after you. The world and the universe is there for you to support you. Um, Absolutely. And you, and you can lose that, oh, they did it to me attitude. And you can say, yeah. I can go for it with the gusto. And that brings me to this part about cultivating personal power. Yes. Um, can you speak with us about why activating our personal power uh, gives us the capacity to navigate the challenges and difficult situations? Also speak about the gifts that come along with mm -hmm. this personal power. Absolutely. And I'm here to say that when you really understand the magic, it's almost like an elixir in this personal it power. It is. Everything starts to open yes. up for you. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's, and it's also about connecting the dots, being aware of the dots. Um, uh, just, a, just a side note here. There was somebody I wanted on the show, and I had lots to touch of him. Brian Johnson just wrote a book called Erte. Um, and I reached out to Pilar Gazermo. And I said, Bilar, can you nudge Brian? Because I knew she knew him was on his board. And the interview got set up this morning. Yeah, fantastic. So, so you see the difference is, is that knowing that it can happen and yeah. trying to find the connections that can help you make it happen, they're all aligned there for you. They're yes, all absolutely. aligned there for you if you just look. 
Yeah. And and I think one of the things you're touching upon too is this sense of intention. What yeah. is our intention? And I think a lot of us are not intentional enough. We're we're sleepwalking through life. And mm-hmm. this personal power is this innate source of unlimited potential and energy that if we know how to tap into it, it is the most amazing thing in the world. And then mm-hmm. we can really start to master our external world. And because if we don't master our internal world, we can't master our external world. It's just a mirror. And when we step into that personal power, we have a deep belief. It's a deep knowing, right? That our that we have, we direct the course of our life. Mm-hmm. And there's only one problem with this though. And you kind of were alluding to this before. It means we have to give up the victimhood. We're not right. allowed, we can't hold personal power and victimhood in the same space. Mm-hmm. They go away. So if we step into our personal power, it means that we truly have owned, and this is, I think, one of the biggest spiritual shifts people will make. We have truly owned the fact that we are co-creators with the universe. Yep. And when we That's- step into that space, right, then we realize that the good stuff we created, fantastic, because most people are very happy with the good stuff. But when the bad stuff happens, not mine, someone else created it. Right. And we have to own all of it. We have to say, what part did I take in this? And that's when we own our personal power. That's when we take responsibility. And then the journey is worth taking because the gifts that come are courage. Courage comes from an open heart. We take, we have the gift of accountability. We grow tremendously when we're willing to learn from our mistakes. And we have this amazing ability of self-determination. That if we put our mind to something and we engage with the right people, like the example you just gave, Anything is possible. Any, it is. Anything is. Anything and you is have, possible. You have to have, you know, the belief that you can make it happen. Um, yes. And so that then can become a truth for you as well. Um, but can I know, speak I, about the truth, though? Because this is something I write in the book that I think uh-huh. a lot of people are afraid of the truth. Because when the truth comes to surface, it means we have to change something about our circumstance. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. a lot of people are ref- that there's too much discordance that comes with the change. But the truth, that old adage saying will set you free is it's so true. But a lot of us don't want to hear the truth. We want to continue to sleepwalk through life. Well, along our journey and our pathway to the top of the mountain, there are many paths to get there. And that is the spiritual journey of living life fully. Um as I had mentioned to you before, some of this last year, I helped write a book called The Precipice of Life. And I interviewed mm-hmm. 22 of the top mountain climbers who'd been up all the highest seven summits in the world. And, you know, what they said was uh, frequently, many of them, um, you're not living left life fully unless you're facing death. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, it just depends on how you want to look at that. I don't think they mean death, meaning, okay, I want to die but that you have to push your limits. You're, you're given mm. capacity to do that. And that brings me to this next question for you. You mentioned that the journey of stepping into our personal power, which if you're going to climb a mountain really needs to yes. be big, requires us to look inward and, and reclaim our true selves and let go of the masks we sometimes wear that can hold back our authenticity. Mm. Um, could you speak about some of the masks that we carry and how we can transcend the masks that are no longer serving us. You know, yeah, it's right. it's like we're on a stage in a play 
And whether you believe this is an illusion in life or living, this is, you know, whatever it is, and you're going to take another part in that play, we play all different roles through the course of our journey in life. Yeah. So I think it's first important to start with where do the masks come from, right? Mm -hmm. Because when we come in as an infant, those masks are not, are not present, right? We're innocence. We, the world is our oyster, but what happens is children have they're very narcissistic and we're built narcissistic on purpose because we're the only mammal on the planet that needs an adult until we reach 18, 19 years old. Um, and because of that, when we don't get our needs met as a child, and it doesn't mean a lot of people have this perception that people have bad childhoods. And it's not about having this bad event. It's just over time when those needs do not get met for numerous reasons. And as children, they can't make heads or tails about why the need is not getting met, that masks or coping mechanisms that we have form. And these are the masks. And what's important to note about the mask is part of the mask is what do I want to show to the public? What is my good face? And then what am I trying to hide? Right. And that's mm -hmm. the important thing, because Underneath what we're trying to hide, there's always a fear. So I'll give you two examples. I cover 10 masks in the book, um, but I'll cover, I'll, I'll share the two that I think um, are pretty relative in, in society. The first okay. one is the mask of perfectionism. We want to be perfect, right? We want to get it right. We want to look good. And there's an underlying fear that we won't be loved. So if we're perfect, we'll be loved. And to transform this mask, we need to learn that love is not an external thing, but it actually comes from the inside. Mm -hmm. That love is something that flows inside of us and it's not something we seek outside of ourselves. So that's one, the perfectionist mask, we need to let it go. Another mask is this one called emotional control, where people who did not get all their emotional needs met as a child, they had a tendency to go into their head. You see this a lot. They tend to be very self-reliant. I don't need anyone. I don't need to ask for help. And their underlying fear is losing emotional control, right? And a fear of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. so in order to overcome this mask and transcend it, we need to realize that our emotions are actually an amazing navigator in our lives and they're not a deficit. And if we really want to have to, if we want to have a breakthrough, we have to be willing to be vulnerable. We have to let people know of our fears, of our sadness, of whatever it is. We have to show who we are on the inside to people on the outside. Sounds like Brene Brown. <laughs> yes, I, I love her work. I quote her a lot in the book. Absolutely. I know you do. You had a you had a, a big quote in there. And also, yeah. you know, that leads to the authenticity of Absolutely. really who we're being. And I think you, you point out a very... Um, uh, relevant thing for the listeners and that 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 these emotions these fears these apprehensions these masks are all formulated at a time and in the subconscious for many of uh, the people and right. you don't actually realize that you're playing them out until you take time to become aware of the fact that you're playing them out and they frequently live with us forever what I find right. sometimes, um, Lisa, is that we have to learn to coexist with them. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean they're going away, although you can transmute elements of your personality all the time. People do that. Um, but if you can learn to live with them, find out which ones are serving you, which ones aren't serving you, that's the best. Now, you have three parts of the book, um, and it's about the foundations of human connection. 
we've been talking about that for the last mm-hmm. 25 minutes. Can yes. you address collaboration and the collaborative roadblocks that we're often faced yes. with when we do things in unison inside of a company, mm-hmm. right? Because that's where this collaboration comes from, or you're going to do it with a spouse or with your family, but you do have to have uh, this uh, introspection about what collaboration can do for you yeah. and for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there, I think there are four key pillars that I, I speak about in the book and that came from research. One is I'm going to give you four of them and then I'll come back and talk about them from, you know, what gets in the way. So one is this notion of respect. The second one is empathy integrity and vulnerability. And let me go, let me go through each one. So respect is a lot of the times we decide the value somebody has based on our own skill set and based on what we bring to the table. So there's a lot of times that we don't see this. And I, and I remember I had a very poignant experience in my own career on this, where I was working at MetLife and um, one of the senior leaders pulled me aside and had a coffee with me. And he said, Lisa, you know, you're so smart. You're a strategy, all these things. He goes, but sometimes you don't value people. And mm-hmm. I sat there and tears came down my face because he had the courage to tell me this. And what I realized, he said to me, he said, Lisa, people bring other gifts to the table that you don't have. You need to start honoring those. That mm-hmm. was one of the greatest pieces of coaching and feedback I've ever gotten in my career. So that's one is that we have to realize that other people have other gifts and we want to look for the gifts that we don't have. So that's one in terms of when collaboration doesn't work, we don't do that. Mm -hmm. The second one is around empathy. We need to understand where people are coming from, from an emotional perspective. The biggest thing I see where leaders and, and, and people fall off is that they're so focused on their own needs that they don't focus in on other people's needs. And the worst is the judgment. Mm-hmm. We're very good at judging people and you can only judge someone from the head. You cannot judge someone from the heart. Mm-hmm. So we have a tendency to stand in judgment. And this is one of the hardest ones for people to work through um, and look at it. You walk around and you're always looking, you're judging because you're coming from here, not from here. Um, the next one is integrity. And I think this is a hard one. And it's not just integrity about doing the right thing. If no one's looking, that's an important part, but this is about how do you say your truth without destroying or being brutal? Mm-hmm. How can you do it in honesty? How could you not, how could you open up and say, I have a different of opinion or I see it in this way without, without really being mean to somebody else. And that mm-hmm. takes emotional intelligence to be able to do that, but it's really important. And then the last one, again, is this thing about vulnerability, that if we really want to have connection and collaborate, we can't have transactional rea- relationships in our, in our life, in our work. We need to have relationships based on trust, based on a mutual need, not just what I need. And I see this a lot with leaders is that they come in from a transactional perspective. And even if, even if their intention is pure, like one, one senior leader I was working with, she came in going, I'm leading this transformation, but because she didn't have the relationships with people, everybody thought it was her own agenda. And that's all she cared about. And that wasn't true. That also leads to, you know, you building strong teams and all of this helps Hmm. in really establishing the foundation for a successful team inside of a company company to accomplish a vision, a goal, a mission, whatever it might be. And that leads me to, you know, purpose, because usually Hmm. when you're, you're speaking about this, 
Um, there is an inherent purpose in all of these companies. There's our own personal purpose. Mm. Uh, hoping our personal purpose is aligned with the purpose of the company that we're working for. Mm. But I think many companies understand the value of having a compelling and meaningful pur- purpose. Mm-hmm. But how do they go about creating a shared purpose, shared purpose. Yeah. and living the purpose? And how does this unite the organizational or mm-hmm. the organization's workforce? Because, you know, it's one thing to talk about personal purpose and to define it. It's mm-hmm. another thing to talk about corporate purpose and come up with a corporate purpose. But mm-hmm. you can't just be lip service. It's mm-hmm. got to actually be embedded with inside what I call kind of the bowels of the of yeah. the organization. So how do you go about helping companies really unite around a pur- personal purpose? Yeah. To me, the what it comes to is cre- creating this collective vision about what people want. So we, if we just go at the very high level, it doesn't bring meaning to people because it's too far removed from what they do every day. Right. But if a leader in the past, a leader used to say, I have the vision and I'm going to share it with you and you're going to get on my journey. And I think that that way of doing it doesn't work anymore. So no. what, what is required is the leaders need to create a frame. And mm-hmm. in that frame, it's about solving a problem that everyone on the team cares about. And then it's about the team filling it in. So then they have a collective dream. And you'd be surprised, but I have some leaders who push against this saying, oh no, I get paid to create the vision uh, and the purpose. But the Mm -hmm. reality is, is that we have to, if we really want to engage people, their heads, their hearts, and their minds, um, we need to be able to do this collectively by having, by going through sessions and saying, what, how do you see the problem? What do you think the problem is? Okay, wh- how can we, what does this mean? What are we doing on a bigger level for society? What are we doing for our organizations? Because we play on different levels. We play on a per- per- personal purpose. We pay on a team purpose. We play on an organization and then a societal. So the team also has to decide, depending upon what the business does, what level they're operating at. Because mm-hmm. not, all, not all teams will operate at every level. Yeah. So they need to decide that. And then they collectively, and then it's done through a framework I have in the book of how do you lay out the frame so you can invite people into create that dream together and dream together. Well, I think the most important thing you point to is inclusion. Um, you know, when, when you do anything like this, leaving people out, and there is ways to create inclusion in creating these um, purpose statements. And because the people want to feel part of it. They don't want to feel like, well, somebody made it and now I have to kind of follow it or whatever else is going on. They want to say, no, I had input on this. This makes me feel part of the team. Makes me feel like I'm part of the team is, is a very important part. Um, And I want to tell my listeners that your book is really so insightful. If they want to actually just get this book, the guidance and the wisdom is there. And I want to wrap up our interview with this mm. last question. Um, you have great stories in the book. You got all kinds of insight, really great insight. If people really want to make giant steps, follow mm. the advice in the book. Um, if you want to take baby steps, read it and then choose which ones you want to take. But there's also a lot of wisdom here. Um, years and years of your own wisdom, having your own personal experiences that you've weaved into this. 
But I want you to leave the listeners with three takeaways that they could implement into either their personal lives and or into an organization and or both. Because this is where the rubber meets the road. It's like, okay, I've written, you know, 200 and something pages here, but the reality is you can take away this. So what would you want to let the listeners know? Yeah, the the three things that I, I really reflected on, one is have the courage to be yourself. Because if you don't have that courage and build your self-awareness, um, is that's really the key. I mean, Tasha Urich talks about in her book, Insights, that you know, only about 30% of the 15% of people have self-awareness. So it's one of these things we think we have, but most of us don't have. So really cultivating the self-awareness. Um, the second one is make sure you value other people that have different gifts than you do. Focus on what they bring to the table, not what just you have, because that won't enhance your capabilities or enhance your point of view. And then the other one, the last one is be willing to go outside your comfort zone. Co-creation comes from a willingness to bring a brick to the table and not the whole cathedral, right? So if each person brings a brick, then we build that cathedral together. So I think those are the those are the three most important things that I think are, are key is that we, we need to go outside our comfort zone. We cannot grow unless we, we're willing to stretch. Yeah, and stretching is a good way for one to activate new muscles and for it, I, I call it muscles, but the reality is people know when you stretch, sometimes the first day you're sore, but yes. if you do that again, that lactic acid gets removed from that area that you hadn't been used. And before you know it, you've built a new muscle. And I think what Lisa is talking mm-hmm. about here in a way is for each of us, whether it's emotionally, physically, psychologically, spiritually to kind of look and build a new muscle and i'm going to recommend that you go get the book the human edge um mastering the art of being all in also you're going to go to learn more information about lisa at human-edge.com that's human h-u-m-a-n hyphen edge edg.com there you'll find more about lisa her team insights the company Um, you can contact lisa through there as well if i'm filling out the contact form um, she's got lots of good things going on Uh, she talks about the products her core leadership the core x uh, the core potential essential the 360 so all of this is available for you to check out at her website so i want to encourage everybody to go there Check out the website, get a copy of the book, which will be linked to Amazon. It will be linked to Amazon. So right. Lisa, Amazon Barnes and Noble. Yeah. yeah. Can I just just can I just have one offering to the group? Sure. As part of the book, we have an assessment tool called Core Fusion, and we're piloting now. And if you send an email um, to the contact form in the website or info at human-edge.com, you are welcome to take part of the, to take the assessment for free and get a free report. So we're offering that to the end of the year. So you are welcome to do that. You should get lots of insights about yourself um, from the book that are paired with the book. And we will put a link to that in the blog so that Perfect. people can just click on that as well, Lisa. Lisa, It's been an honor having you on all the way from Basel, Switzerland, spending time with all of our listeners, speaking with us with really you call your company name is perfect. The human edge, 
or human edge. Um, blessings to you this holiday season. Namaste to you. Thank you for all of your wisdom and insights about how we can become better people, how we can allow those people to grow companies which are more attuned to fulfilling a purpose and a mission that has a greater cause um, and looking at the world in a different way with a new set of lenses um, such that all this can occur. You've really laid out a great way for people to take a look at that. I appreciate you. I appreciate the work you're doing. Namaste to you. Yeah. Thank you very much, Greg. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.